welcome back to the Evolution Pod Club. I am your host, Jackie Seiden. You are perfect. Everything about you is perfect. Your body is perfect. And you were born knowing you were perfect. But then, you know, you were conditioned by the people around you, your parents, your siblings, the world around you, the society to believe that you needed to be different in order to be liked, loved, respected, and accepted. And then you started to believe that you were, in fact, imperfect and needed to improve those aspects of you that you saw as lacking. So what did you do? Well, you started to adjust yourself and you still do so. You want to be more fit, prettier, a different age, have better hair, have less cellulite, wish you could be taller or shorter, or your nails could be longer, whatever the ways are in which you don't see yourself as absolutely perfect as it stands right now. But that is the inauthentic version of you, the limited version of you seen through a limited lens of judgment, your judgment. That is not who you truly are. The truth is you are a limitless, eternal being of pure, positive love and acceptance, and you're absolutely perfect. Your body and all of its attributes, including the ones you don't like, were uniquely chosen by you for this particular exploration to move you toward greater levels of expansion. And each and everything about you is actually aiding you in your journey from fear to love. So can you embrace the real you? Can you stop trying to make yourself look like everyone else? Can you see how insanely special your individuality is? Your uniqueness is proof of your worthiness. Okay, so can you name everything that you hate about your body right now? And then write down why you love those very same things. Are you willing to stop changing your appearance to the point, you know, of not being recognized by all of your countless soulmates? People need to recognize you. So be you. You can't be rejected. You don't need protection. You are already whole, worthy, free, and beautiful. You can't improve upon perfection. So embrace all you are and who you are. Own it all. Love it all. See it as the divine setup that it is. Set up by you, the creator intended to guide you here to this moment, to trust, to believe, and then to know that you're the creator of your reality. It all starts and ends with your perspective. So learn to find acceptance for yourself. And in doing so, when you do that, you add love to your reality. My next guest is aiding in this noble journey of guiding people to love themselves, to embrace their natural beauty. He helps one person at a time take ownership of the person they were born as and stop trying to change themselves into an inauthentic representation, a package of themselves. I know because he did this for me. Listen, I was identified by my hair for the first 28 years of my life. I had huge curly hair growing up and, you know, my hair as a kid would enter the room before I did and I hated it. I didn't get it, okay? I just wanted it to be straight and blonde. 
And then for the next, you know, decade, I straightened it. I dyed it. I bought extensions, you know, check my social media. You'll see it. And then I became in my mind, a different person, an improved person, still much more room for improvement. Yeah, to be sure. But in my mind, at least I had smooth hair, but then I started this part of my spiritual journey and I was called back to my roots, literally and figuratively. I was so tired of being tortured about what it, you know, what hair to use for an audition, what it should look like. I was tired of not being able to live my life because God forbid it freaking rained and my hair got wet. And the real wake up call, the real wake up call was when I saw my daughter who has the most beautiful curls you have ever seen, pulling it straight in the mirror. And it broke my heart into a thousand pieces. And that was it. It was time to lead by example. I had met the curl doctor a couple of years back through Jordan Ballard. And he, he left an indelible impression on me, on my mind and my heart. And I had the inspired idea to meet with him. But all I had to do is take that first step. Call the salon, Capella Salon. The rest is history. He changed my life. He helped me put down this huge weight that I was carrying around that I didn't even realize I was carrying. And now I'm on my way back to the girl I've always been. I am recognizable to the people who knew me way back when. Yes, I still feel insecure about my hair and subsequently my appearance. I'm human, sure, but I recognize that insecurity for what it is. It's fear based in an illusion based on a false premise that I need to be different to be closer to perfect in order to be loved. I do not need to be different. I am perfect just as I am. And I am love just as you are. This is the service that this gentleman is offering the world. And I just want to say thank you, Shai Emil. And welcome to the Evolution Pod Club, Shai. Thank you. Wow, that was very touching. This is what you're doing. It's, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, he does my hair, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. You don't just do hair. You have changed the entire culture. And in Los Angeles, mind you, where this is the capital of trying to be something different, actors, entertainment, trying to look like the posters, look like the stars. And you are saying, no, 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 no. I am here to help you be you, be the authentic, real version of you. And it is not an easy process to be sure, especially at the beginning, because there's so much going on behind and underneath all that, right? What is your experience with that? I mean, when people come into your salon where you meet them for the first time, there's gotta be a lot of fear, I would imagine. Oh yeah, a lot of women come in and they sit in my chair and they stare and they're not sure if they need to be there or if it's the right move or if it's worth it or if they'll be accepted by society. You know, we've been brainwashed, like you said, mostly by the people that profit off this industry, which are hairdressers. And I hate to throw my people under the bus, but, you know, we make a lot more profit off a client that gets a blowout and a relaxer treatments and more frequent haircuts. And now the hair is like breaking. So you have to add extensions. And now 
your hair is really weak. So you come back and get more treatments. You just end up throwing so much more money and time out of your life to try to make something that doesn't want to happen. You're trying to fill the circle into a square. It doesn't fit. It wants to be a profitable. Wow. It's really profitable. And, you know, I was getting not only shunned by a big portion of the industry when I was trying to use my voice and say, you know, you don't have to wear curly if you don't want to, but if you do want to, you want to be natural, then there are ways, you know, we can teach you how to do it natural. But if you don't want, you don't have to. It's not like you have to be natural if you don't want to, but there are options. Yeah. I remember I made the appointment and I haven't had a haircut for curly hair in 13 years. And I remember at the last minute being completely terrified because I was committing and I thought, oh God, maybe I don't want to do this. I don't know if I can do this because I spent my whole life trying to be different. And here I'm saying, no, no, I'm going to take ownership of this. And like I said, it was seeing my daughter who has, of course, the most natural, amazing curls and all I want to say to her is, this makes you so special. This is so amazing. You want to be different. But me saying that to her are just words. It doesn't mean anything. So you have to show what that means. I have to embrace myself in front of her to have any sort of real influence. That's the yeah. way, not the words. Leading by example. Exactly. And what's funny thing is most of the clients that come in, first time clients, and they feel that they want to restore their hair and they show me images of things that inspire them. It's mostly pictures of themselves when they were young, mm-hmm. Bef- before they had the, f- the means, the funds, the accessibility, you know, the way to destroy their hair. Yeah. So they go back to how their hair was when they did nothing to it. Just like kids hair. Kids hair is amazing because we don't try so hard. Or, you know, a lot of men have the best skin because they don't mess with it. They don't try too hard. A lot of men have great hair because they don't have the patience to experiment with all these products. Just buy one product that works for them, they use it, and they have great results and they're fine with it. They're not trying to change it every other day. And I think because the industry, you know, is catered towards women for the most part, as hairdressers, we see women that come in and they want to feel good. So we'll sell them, upsell them. You know, come in and get a blowout twice a week. So, you know, that's yeah. an extra few hundred dollars in the hairdresser's pocket that is only destroying the hair, making you more, you know, reliant on us to keep destroying it. Exactly. And, and you know, you don't win. You know, the hairdresser wins by ruining your hair. You don't win. So in order to have been the person that is now sort of defying the industry and standing up, I want to know how you became that person. So your story, how this all came to be, because I asked you your story when I was in your chair and I know you weren't a young fella being like, I want to do hair. And <laughs> that is not how this started. For no. You. So, so tell me the story of when you were a little lad and how, how this all came to be. Well, I, you know, I, like most kids that grew up in high school and middle school, you know, we have dreams based on what we feel are careers that are exciting or lucrative or, and, you know, I was 13 when I moved here and, you know, both my parents were working immigrants and I would come home from work by myself, turn the TV on and, and do my homework. Cause I had no friends. I didn't know anybody yet. And all I had was my TV. And I used to watch the show, the judge. And I thought, I want to be a judge. It'll be a fun way to help people. 
Oh, wow. And quickly realized through high school and, and, and the college prep that I, I'm not equipped to be in school for the rest of my life. It's not <laughs> going to happen. So I chose a career as a therapist because I thought it'd be another way of helping people. Um, then again, you know, trying to go to college and realize I'm not meant for education in that setting. I'm not a good sit down and listen kind of person. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to work. So I decided to quit, you know, college and, and take a year off and travel the world. I worked hard enough. I had money to spend. And uh, my friends and I were going to go to a club. And, you know, at that club, the night before we f- I flew on my vacation for one year, I met this nice person named Dina that just moved here from Dallas. She had no friends in LA. She knew nobody. And we hit it off. We became really, you know, had a good conversation the whole night. And I, I told her, you know, we should keep in touch, but I'm leaving. And um, my friends are in town. You should meet my friends. They're great people. They're good guys. They'll make sure you're safe. So, you know, driving home the whole night, I was talking about Dina. She's so cool. She's so great. And, you know, it was like you met like a best friend kind of deal, you know? Yeah. And I'm telling my friends, you know, this this new person that I met, you should meet her. She's great. And they're like, ah, she's all right, whatever. So I go <laughs> on my year vacation, come back, and my buddy calls me, says, I'm going to come pick you up. We're going to go out and hang out and have a surprise for you. I open the car door, and she's there sitting in the car, Dina. I mean, and that's I, insane. I, I said, what are you doing here? She said, oh, we we live together. I said, oh, you guys are roommates? She's like, no, we live together. <laughs> so they end up having a great marriage. They have a daughter. And he's been my best friend since I was four years old, that guy. Um, you know, we're because still talking in the I car. I have to hold on. have to stop. You just because yeah. we always talk about on this podcast that you never know where inspiration is leading. Yeah. And here's this one night before you leave for a year. Yeah. And that night changed the course of everyone's lives involved because you met yeah. the wife of your best friend who is now going to take you into this next part of the story yeah, and ha- yeah. it's unreal you just never yeah. know but you never had, know. You had the night before you thought oh i'm going to be tired i'm leaving i'm traveling tomorrow i mean you were young so that probably wasn't going to happen but no it wasn't gonna it, as we get older that happens to us more and more we're like i don't yeah. know if i want to do that then you don't know where you're being led, what you're missing. So I just wanted to point that out because I just think it's remarkable. Okay, so you come back, they're married, they have a daughter. This- oh, they're not married yet. They're yeah, just not dating. Yet. They're living together. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I said to her, come sit in the back seat. We can chit chat and catch up. And, you know, I want to see what's going on with you. And we start talking. She's telling me how she's working in the salon as an assistant. I said, assistant at a salon? I said, yeah, I went to beauty school. I studied how to do hair. I said, well, you can study how to do hair? I said, yeah, I went to beauty school. I said, and they can teach you? She said, yeah. I said, that sounds like fun. It's like, yeah, it's really fun. I like it. Never thought about hair ever my entire life. Yeah. The next morning I woke up, went, grabbed the yellow pages, looked up that school that she was telling me about, called the school, made an appointment, and went that evening for an interview and, and signed up for beauty school. Take the action, take action, take action. And then you yeah. end up being... <laughs> <laughs> the straight guy cleaning up at beauty school. <laughs> I, I was the only straight guy in school. My friends loved it. And, you know, I realized quickly that hair is not going to be that simple. It's not going to be a walk in the park where right. I'm just going to come in and, you know, be Edward Scissorhand and start, you know, being super creative. This is yeah. hard. It's not yeah. easy. And hair cutting was really, really hard for me to learn. You know, I'm a very precise OCD person. So, it was hard for me not being able to do these really good haircuts that I wanted to do. And, um, you know, you, you learn theory and you learn about color and 
And the idea of hair coloring just sucked me in. Mm. You know, I'm kind of a nerd. I like math, I like science. I can be creative. I can try different combinations of color and I don't have to make it even. I don't have to cut it and I don't have to study right. these like formulas of haircutting. I can just create cool colors. So kind of let haircutting on a download, cutting, cutting here and there, but mostly coloring. And through coloring, I've become obsessed with the concept of how to make the hair look better because I started noticing that certain clients, their color would fade really fast. Certain clients, their hair wasn't as shiny. And I just didn't put one and one together until I started paying attention that certain clients, after they get their hair done, after they get their color, they leave with their hair wet. And when they come in, their hair is like curly and natural. Mm -hmm. And they've always had like really cool, bouncy hair. And I would diffuse it for them once in a while. And, you know, we start chatting about what they do and start, you know, they're telling me how they don't blow dry straight and they only wear it natural. And I start realizing those clients would, you know, the no blowouts, their hair is shinier. The color barely fades. It lasts longer. So I started telling my clients, you know, if you want to preserve your color, don't blow dry straight. I'm not even thinking about healthy curls or anything. Just I started realizing that all the color. Those, just the blowouts are taking away the color. They're burning the color away. Let's not that. do blowouts. And then I started seeing more clients come in asking me, can you teach me how to wear my hair curly? I know you do have, you know how to blow, uh, diffusing curly hair. Can you teach me? And I, you know, started getting clients that come in to help diffuse. And I was getting color clients that have curly hair that wanted to color their hair in a safe manner. So I would get curly clients to come in for color. And then I said, can you trim my hair? And I would start trimming the hair. And, you know, I, I, I would try and figure out every possible method of cutting that was available to humankind, just trying to figure out which is the best way. Mm. And I've tried the wet cut, the razor cut, slicing cut, you know, you name it. Until I realized that the simple way is the best way and most people wear their hair natural. So I started cutting the hair the way I see it. Mm. And um, it started making sense. It started connecting. Oh, you're like a sculptor. You know how they always say that the greatest artists have a block of stone and they chisel away at the stone to reveal the sculpture. That's mm. how you kind of do your hair. You're sort of chiseling away one curl at a time until you reveal your masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, cool. Cause that is kind of how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a very visual process, you know, it goes totally against everything you've learned about taking clean sections, pulling the hair straight, you know, make sure it's a very tight stretching of the hair. It's totally opposite. Now, now it's just, this is what the hair does. It wants to lay here then I'm going to cut it where it wants to be. I'm not going to try to move it to a different angle, different position. And it's a very visual process. And if you take your hair and you measure it, most likely it won't be even. Right. But when you look at it, it looks amazing. It's so funny because you're just so naturally using all these metaphors that we talk about, which is you were not doing the effort and struggle of trying to, like you said earlier, put a square peg in a round hole, but go with ease. Uh, uh, curl no, round in a square. Curly <laughs> hair is round. Okay, right. You can't put a round coil in a square hole. <laughs> and so I just, but I love that you went with the ease and the inspiration and played with it and just tried to do what made sense as opposed to what you had been taught, trained, 
the entire industry is doing, even when you're getting side eyes from people next to you and other, you know, stylists, it takes a lot of courage to go against the grain. And it is also, by the way, not for nothing, but it doesn't, it makes perfect sense to me that you were called to impact so many people. Even as a young child, you were attracted to being a judge because you wanted to help people. Then you were attracted to being a therapist because you wanted to help people. So your soul always knew it was in service and you found such a powerful way to be in service. Every woman that is listening to this podcast understands. And by the way, in every man, let's not discount anyone what you're doing by I almost actually started crying. I got emotional hearing about these people coming into your salon saying, Hey, can you teach me how to do that? Um, I, you know, I have curly hair and it's just, it's so powerful to give people back their expression, their uniqueness, their individuality, what makes them special, what makes them stand out and different. And I don't know, it's, it's so important. I'm just so yeah. inspired. Yes. No, it's very true the way you explain it, because we're born with this, you know, in a way, abnormality that we think it is. But the majority of the population on Earth have textured hair more than straight hair. So we're the majority in a way, you know, even though it's not really celebrated, it's almost like tolerated or but now it's become something that everybody wants to see what it is you know because you see all these people with amazing natural curls and it's just so inspiring as you saw you know you weren't the only one in the salon there were other clients other stylists we're all looking around like oh my god look at her look at her look at her it's fun it's so crazy what you said about going back to when we were kids because even just before this the picture that i have is of me as a 10 year old it is it's like you go back to when you were a kid and you can see it through more clearer eyes because we see ourselves as children now and we can see that we were perfect then if you look at a picture of yourself at six years old you know that you're just a child but at that time you're already judging yourself and you're already thinking that you're imperfect at no point did you ever become imperfect but you can see it now when you look at yourself as a child so yeah anyway my heart (laughs) you just have my heart so okay So this starts happening when you start actually cutting, playing with the hair, cutting it dry. Yeah, this is like 1994, 95. Oh, Lord. Y'all, he looks so doesn't seem right. The math is not adding up. (laughs) So this is before social media, before blogging was a thing, before you were able to connect with other people around the world like we are now with social media, you know. The only connection I had to other curly girls was my clients walking around the grocery stores or going right. out to restaurants and 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 talking to each other and and word of mouth. Yeah. And and when the first client comes to visit you and and you you ask her how did you find me and she says oh I I drove here from Denver mm. and I said how did you hear about me she said oh I ran into this person at Disneyland and her hair was amazing. And we were talking for like an hour and this woman, Andy was driving from Denver. She's deaf. (gasps) She would drive alone from Denver just to get her hair done because she couldn't find anybody in Denver. This is in the nineties. We're not talking, you know, no, I have the chills from now. Yeah. 
word of mouth and people being examples yeah. out in the world and inspiring other people. By yeah. the way, not for nothing. I have a couple friends now who've watched me through my journey who are now saying, should I go to the curl doctor? <laughs> Maybe I want to see what my curls can do. And this is not one or two people. This is many yeah. people. So I'm experiencing this now. And also, by the way, a friend of mine sent me a post about a girl who just got a perm. So I, I oh, also, God. I also, which is the opposite of what you're saying. It's that, but yeah. I do think texture is making a comeback. But um, so she was driving in the '90s from Denver to get her haircut, and so you kept going, so that it almost found you. Now people are asking you to help them with their curls. Yeah, and you know, I'm still trying to figure out what's the best way to do this, and trying to find the best way to make it seem as if it's doable for, for the average person, because you saw the process, how we teach. It's a very thorough process. I mean, we want to teach every single thing that we know to give you all the tools that you can use, you know, for yourself when you do it. So that's it is true. You guys, you, you do empower your clients. It's again, the opposite of the industry. You empower the clients and teach them the whole method because there's a methodology. It's not just a haircut. Mm-hmm. You're saying when exactly. you go home, this is what to do to keep your hair as natural and healthy as possible. And at that time, you started even by saying that you got some pushback and resistance from because you're not pushing other services. Yeah, this is. In the early 90s, I started working at Capella in 96 as an assistant. Um, The woman that owned the salon at the time, I assisted her in 94 and we became good friends. She was very supportive. She was very encouraging. And she's always would say to me, you're going to be huge. I just know it. I've been around hairdressers. You have something special. And I would always say to her, you're just trying to make me feel good because you like me. You know, you're just nice. And she would always be so genuine and so encouraging, but it wasn't just like fluffing my feathers. She wasn't just like trying to give me compliments. She was truly trying to let me see into what I was doing to have the ability to understand that if I believe in it, just go with it. And, and you know, I at the time I was doing amazing blowouts. Like in the 90s, right. I was the king of blowouts because the person I assisted hated doing blowouts. So I would just do all the blowouts. And I remember just sitting there with every single blowout and saying, why am I burning this hair for 45 minutes? Oh. I just put some conditioner and she could just walk out looking beautiful. But I didn't have the authority yet at the time as an assistant in 94 to tell the client or 95, 96, you know, I couldn't tell clients, don't do this. Let's do it natural because you don't want to defy your boss. You don't want to go against their, their means. Um, so we had stylists in our salon that, you know, we're doing now at this moving into the 90s, the Brazilian blowouts would come in. Oh, gosh. Right. You know, I, I was curious. I went to learn it. I went to study it. I wanted to see what it does because they were trying to sell it as if it was a smoothing treatment for curly hair and it makes the curly hair better. So I learned that and then quickly realized this is going to go in the trash can. I'm never going to use it. Um, and, and, you know, you start finding things that make your process, you know, make sense to other people like we gave her the mirror and you had to hold the mirror and watch what she does mm-hmm. i don't want my assistants to send clients home with good hair only because if i only send my clients home with pretty hair i failed because anybody can make hair look pretty but if i can't send you home understanding how to do your own hair then i failed because you came in and you got your hair to look good but you didn't go home with the tools how to do it on your own 
And that's what we really try to, to pass on to our clients, give them the tools so they can do their own hair and, and thrive on their own. I just think what's so also incredible and an amazing example is when people act out of fear, which is what you were experiencing with the rest of the industry, trying to sell service, sell product, it's small, it's small minded, and you're not going to expand in the way that when you act in love, are true to yourself, believe even when you're going against the grain, which is often how it happens when somebody like you sort of breaks down doors, the creation has so much more potential. And now look at you. Everyone knows the curl doctor. You, the salon has thrived even through a crazy pandemic because of you and what you brought to the table by listening to your gut and following your inspiration. It's really, truly remarkable. I cannot believe you've been at this salon. I did not know since 96. Yeah. That is I've only, insane. Yeah, I've only been at Capella my entire career. Is it the same actual location? No, in 95, it was opened when I was on one of my, you know, vacations and I came back and they relocated and then I followed them to the new location. And 10 years ago, we had to shut down our old location and we built from scratch what we have now, the one you came to. And it's massive. So we've been there for 10 years. It's huge. Look yeah. at my curls. Can you believe? I was so worried about doing this call because I knew you would be seeing my hair and I haven't washed it in a couple of days. So I've been, this is slept on. She's you, you coming know, it's back. my favorite. You know, it's my favorite when it's like dirty, om- almost to a point where it's like a rat's nest. You know, yeah, it's like, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like trying to smooth out the frizz. No, you, but I'm like, the frizz it gives is you what texture. it is. Oh, but I the frizz love gives it. you volume. I just, I'm looking at myself, but now, Again, can't drive this point home enough. My daughter sees herself in me. She's now asking, she's now saying, oh, look at this. You know, I'll pick out her corkscrew. She's like, look at my corkscrew. And she's like, I look like you, mommy. Oh, that's so cute. I just, the service you are doing. And listen, I still have insecurities. Like I said in the intro. Okay, so I still have days where I go out and I feel also like that 13 year old who feels gross, like my hair is frizzy and I, and then I'll see an old picture of myself with the smoothed out hair and the balayage. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that looks so good. But it did look good. It's pretty. Yeah, but it's great. It's not me. It's not sustainable. It's not. And it's because who, it's going to ruin your hair. Right. And who am I trying to be here? And who am I trying to get acceptance from what who am i trying to please it doesn't even make sense now i feel this freedom because i don't have this voice every time i have an event or like i said also an audition where i go okay how am i going to do my hair my husband doesn't have to hear it okay should i do it straight for this or like should i do natural and by the way when i did do natural when i was going back and forth it never looked as good because i wasn't just wearing it natural all the time yeah, it was damaged. And yes. And so I just can't iterate enough that now there's no decision to be made. This is who I am. This is my hair. This is what it is. I don't have to make a decision. I don't have to play with it. I don't have to decide. Yes, obviously I could decide if I want to put in a ponytail or whatever, but it's, I didn't realize the burden that I would be releasing 
by just committing to who the fuck I am already. It is yeah. insane. Yeah. And you were touching something about the insecurities, how, you know, we all have insecurities. I mean, have you ever met a person that's not insecure? No. I mean, See? you might be, but they're the biggest asshole on earth. <laughs> so, I mean, and these, insecurities every... keep you humble in a way, keep you honest, keep you grounded, keep you true. If you're not insecure a little bit, that means you just don't care. And then you've become an asshole. So yeah, it's the okay insecurities to be are, that's what you set up for yourself. Every single person on this planet has insecurities or an it's insecurity. Fine. It's okay. It's not only just okay, it's necessary in order to have something to push against, to, to learn from, to grow from. Otherwise, what are we doing here, right? If you just walk around the world going, I'm perfect, I feel great. What do you have to learn? Where's the contrast? So to sort of have an insecurity and then empower yourself to be proud of that same thing is so expansive and important. And it's such a growth moment. So listen, if I loved my hair my entire childhood, and just kept it and had this moment. Now there would be no sort of expansion from that, but I set this up on purpose, right? I'm an actress. I'm on TV. So that's a big thing where I always feel like I have to smooth it out and all sorts of things. I'm getting pictures done. And because I was insecure and I went through this crazy journey for 30 years, now it means so much more and it's changed who I am and hopefully can resonate with maybe one other person, even if it's just my daughter or just one friend. And that means something. So I wouldn't trade the insecurity for the world because this whole ride makes sense and it feels so great. And had I not had that insecurity, I wouldn't have this feeling I have now, which is like gratitude. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you go on a, a, you know, when you fast and you eat, (laughs) it's so rewarding. (laughs) It's so, and that it's exactly You know, it's funny because before this interview, so I always meditate before my interviews, I was like nervous and excited. And so this is where I get so woo woo, right? You hear me say that all the time. So I was saying to my guides, like, I'm so nervous. And then my guide said, yes, but imagine the feeling you're going to have when it's happening. And then when it's done, you'll be flying and so excited. And you wouldn't have that feeling of flying if you didn't have this feeling of nerves. If you don't have the opposite, you don't have the context and you don't have the excitement and the satisfaction of having done it and, and connecting with someone. So my point is what you're saying, which is you said fasting and my stomach growled. If, (laughs) If you're not, don't know what it feels like to be hungry, then you can't appreciate what it feels like to be full. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's true because when you have, uh, my the clients come in the salon and, and we teach them and and they ask all these questions and they're getting it it's not just look i make your hair look good and you can go home now like they're getting it they know what to do they have they have the ability to do that on their own and they can pass it on maybe to their kids or their friends and and that's how i feel like this sort of movement grew without really using the internet or social media because by the time social media came around, I was already a full-time employed stylist with a pretty large following that wasn't connected through social media. You know, it was just genuine people that really wanted to love their own natural beauty. And anyone who's in business would say, you're giving away all your secrets. 
You're telling everyone what you're doing. They're telling their friends, what are you doing? And yet you doing that is my version of expressing love. That is what you're doing is expressing love. You're empowering other people. And what happens? Your business is just growing. Here you are. You're doing podcasts, meeting more people, new clients, more clients, more people, bigger following. This is how it actually works. This is how these are the laws of the universe. This is law of attraction. This is what it means. It's very thrilling to know you. Do you have any thoughts about where it's all going? Well, I, a couple of years ago, before the pandemic, I was reached out by a really wealthy group of investors and asked me if I would come to Amsterdam. And um, I said, okay. I will fucking murder you. Well, no, I'm just well, kidding. They, they, <laughs> and they, they flew me out there and they wooed me and they really wanted me to open an academy in Amsterdam and be the hub for curly hair and educate people and create a European station there that would be, and, you know, and I thought about it and it would have been real lucrative and it would be great to grow. But then I thought about it and I realized that I'd have less time with my home, less time with my family, less time with my bonsai trees, less time at my actually salon that I like to work at. And I really didn't want to do that. And I just kind of walked away feeling great that I got to meet these people. And I'm happy that I have my little salon in the Valley and it's a little engine that could, you know, we're like a little slow cruise ship. We're not a speedboat. We're just chugging along, do our thing. And if you want to come for the ride, you're welcome to come and you want to get off. Clients get off the ride and they come back later. Yeah, I've yeah. had clients that, that say, you know, I'm done with this curly hair, pain in the ass, I'm over it. And they come back five years, 10 years later, and they buzz their hair that short like and they start inch. over again. Yeah, you know? it's a beautiful community and everyone is welcome. And just on behalf of every person that walks through the door and leaves feeling like their authentic selves, I want to say thank you. Thank you for the service. Thank you for following your gut. Thank you for pushing against the industry and saying, no, I'm going to do it this way. Thank you to your mentor for seeing in you all of the beauty that there is and the potential that there was. And thank you for being here on the Evolution Pod Club to share a little of yourself with everybody. And, you know, look them up. We'll put all of your info in the text for the podcast and you can follow Shai and see all of the magnificence that he is. Thank, thank you. you so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. That was fun. As always, this is Jackie. Can I do it again? <laughs> yeah, right? This I'll is do it again. Yeah, it's fun. And your sweet smile. I just thank love you. you. And it's, I, I can't just tell you enough. I mean, you know it. I hope you know it. I know you see it in people. I, I mean, you've changed my life. You so. can't hide being genuine. So, you know, when somebody's genuine, it's, it's, it's obvious, you know, it's, it's what you want when you interact with humans, you know, just being yeah. genuine. It's nice. Thank you. You're so courageous too. Thank you. As always, this is Jackie Seiden sending love.